Hello and welcome to Pro Construction Guide series of ProCast. This episode will provide you with expert tips to improve the indoor air quality of your clients' homes. I'm John Gordon. And I'm David Dolville. Thanks for joining us. Pro Construction Guide magazine regularly brings you a new ProCast built exclusively for you, the professional contractor. It's the only podcast for pros hosted by pros and with successful contractors as guests. You can listen to any ProCast at ProConstructionGuide.com or iTunes. And right now, we'd really like to thank Ram Trucks for sponsoring this podcast. And then it's a really good opportunity to talk about what's new at Pro Construction Guide. So we want to let you know that the August-September issue is on its way to your local Home Depot stores across the nation, and it'll be uh, in all the U.S. stores very soon. So you can go to the Pro Desk and pick up a free copy. Hey, if you want to read this issue now, you can go become a subscriber of the Pro Construction Guide newsletter. All the subscribers get a free digital copy of the issue before the printed copy hits the stores. So you could be first. What a great idea. John, the new issue is loaded with great articles like the ones on cordless technologies and how to install a stairwell and much, much more. You know, I always like that stuff, but it just feels better to me when you endorse it because you got to use it every day as a professional. So always great. It is good stuff. All right, let's get on with this show. In this episode, we're going to be talking uh, indoor air quality with Gord Cook. And Gord is an engineer and building scientist who spent decades working in the construction industry. And we'd like to welcome Gord back because this isn't his first time with us. So welcome back to Pro Construction Guide Series of ProCast, Gord. Can you um, talk about uh, a little bit uh, what you've done? I mean, last time you were with us, you talked about mold, got some great information, but folks may not remember exactly who you are and what you do. So give us like a 30-second bio. Absolutely. Thanks, Dave and John, and a pleasure to be back. So I am a professional engineer, but more importantly, I've been working in the industry in indoor air quality for about 30 years uh, with a company. Our company name is Construction Instruction. I'd really encourage folks online to uh, to look up our website, www.constructioninstruction.com. Better yet, we have a free app. Uh, it's actually now one of the largest apps in the construction industry. It has great information, building science animations, how to build houses. Uh, my partner Mark's on there talking about indoor air quality, uh, ventilation, heat flow, airflow, moisture flow. So it's construction instruction at the iTunes store. Uh, you can download and uh, and be a subscriber to the app. So that's kind of what we do in, in the context of indoor air quality. I was involved, as you guys may recall, I'm a Canadian, live and work out of the Toronto market. And we had a, a very large program in Canada called uh, Indoor Air Quality Investigators Program run by an organization called CMHC, which took us across the country training contractors on how to find uh, and resolve indoor air quality issues in people's houses. This is awesome. So... As you as you went around and as you you continue to spend time in the industry, what are you finding, uh, Gord? Are the biggest issues with air quality in our homes? It's an interesting one because uh, you know often people uh, associate air quality with outdoor air. You know things like pollution from cars and factories and factories and all that stuff. And we think about those smoggy days and we get mm-hmm. this idea that maybe indoor air is better than outdoor air. But actually, all the work done by EPA would show that most of the time indoor air is considerably worse than outdoor air. And when you think about it, it kind of makes sense. The air that's currently in your home, where did it come from? Well, it came from outside. And then you cooked in it, lived in it, showered in it. In fact, we spend as much as 90% of our time indoors, and we introduce pollutants like furnishings and cleaning chemicals, personal hygiene products, plants, pets. So we take that outdoor air, and we actually make it worse. And then then we really don't know how to 
clean it up or do much with it. And here's one of the single most important things. We don't open windows anymore. You know, as a kid, I remember mom coming in at night and saying, you know, I'm going to open your window, dear, an inch. I'm going to open your brother's window an inch. That'll create a really nice cross trap. Now, if you said to people, leave your windows open, they'd go, what are you, nuts? Noise, dust, security, um, energy costs. Nobody opens windows anymore. So often we blame it on houses getting tighter that we're having air quality problems. But frankly, it really comes down to two things. We're spending more time indoors, and we don't open windows often enough. And then lastly, of course, we we bring in a lot of stuff that we didn't used to have in our houses. But what I want to leave, make sure on this call that your your, uh, listeners understand, every contractor can make a very valuable contribution in every remodel project they do. I'm going to ask them to think about bringing a new nose to the table, and I use that word advisedly. Because people are used to the smells in their houses, if a contractor can come in and help people understand the odors that they're smelling um, in houses, and I'll give you some hints as to how to do that as we go through the call, but every remodel project actually is a great opportunity to improve or enhance the air quality in people's houses. So you probably shouldn't walk into the house and say, man, this place smells terrible. <laughs> but, well, you make a good point. I but, no, it's <laughs> like, because I'm thinking, me and David, we'd be in there, you know, you got a problem in here. <laughs> All right. Well, so I, I would say I would say more subtly, more subtly. Yeah, definitely. Like yeah, because yeah. they're, they're liable to say, not until you got yeah. here. <laughs> it was fine until you showed up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So I'm sorry for that. Sometimes my brain just goes places. Like, no, um, you're right on mark. You're right on mark. Uh, so we're going to talk about four important strategies. I think is is how you shared the information with us, Gord. Uh, so what's the first thing, uh, first strategy uh, on a good indoor indoor air quality? And thanks for that. You know, this was so helpful to me when I learned this list. You know, it's not about sprays or chemicals. It's about four simple strategies. One is remove pollutant sources. That is, there's really no substitute for getting rid of uh, the sources of pollutants. You know, I like to joke and say it this way. If Johnny's allergic to the cat, get rid of some contractors. (laughs) Be careful. Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) But but it's really hard to, for example, uh, filter your way or uh, ventilate your way out of a, out of an allergy. So when we think about remove, um, the best place to think about that, say, would be the basement. If you've got moldy materials in a basement, don't try to ionize or bionize or clean them. Just remove those pollutants, specifically water. And every remodel contractor will know this. The single biggest issue in houses is moisture. Solve the moisture problems. Get rid of the moisture problems. If that means digging up on the outside of the basement or doing an internal drain to get rid of moisture, dry up that moisture. And then it's, you know, on the outside, it's things about grading and uh, flashing details, um, moving water away from the building. And then in contractors using products, need to choose products that are low volatile, that is, products that don't smell. We often say it this way, if it smells, it stinks. So Add to your list when you're at the uh, in the aisles of the Home Depot and other places that you're picking up products that have less odors to them. That's called the remove strategy. Yeah. Um, another example would be things like instead of carpets, using hard surface pre-finished flooring, so you're not doing finishing on site. Th- those are the big things that we need to think about. Okay, absolutely. So, uh, hey, Gord, what are some other important things contractors should do to improve indoor air quality? So the, that first element was remove pollutants. The second, and this has really powerful, been very useful to uh, to clients, 
we would call it a seal or isolate strategy. A great example of that is the house-to-garage connection. That is, we want to make sure there's no air movement between the house and the garage. A program, EPA's Indoor Air Plus program, would say I should seal between the house and the garage, air seal, and I should put in an exhaust fan in the garage to keep the garage under negative pressure, certainly after cars come in and so on. So that's a great example. Another good example is if, if indeed Johnny has allergies, Think about his room, where he's sleeping, to get you know a good eight nights of sleep. Spend some time there. Take out the carpets in his bedroom. Uh, maybe even seal his bedroom and provide separate uh, ventilation for, for that room. Or things like sealing the edges of exposed particle board cabinetry or trim. Um, just sealing out uh, ideas and, and that idea of creating an oasis for those who suffer from respiratory problems, you know, really clean bedroom, its own fresh filtered air. Seal strategy is the next most important. So remove and then seal. And every contractor can do this in, in every uh, project they're working on. If I could add one example, if you're redoing a bathroom and there's a question of whether I should pull the tub from, say, an outside wall, trying to decide if that makes sense, it always makes sense because you don't know what's in behind that tub in terms of air leakage and bugs and so on on that outside wall. So as a contractor, you're always looking for those opportunities to improve air quality. Pull that tub, air seal in behind so there's no mold, no moisture in behind. Makes perfect sense. Leave no stone unturned, right? That's right. All right. So, hey, so let's talk a little bit about ventilation. Yeah, that's that's the third one on the list, and thanks for bringing it up. It's actually where I got my start in the industry was, um, you know, bringing in outside air. By definition, ventilation is an exchange of air from inside to outside. And I know sometimes we think the outside air isn't, isn't that great. turns out there's very few days of the year. There's those 30 days of the year, the smog advisory alerts, where the air isn't good, uh, or is at least worse than inside air. But most other days. 90% of the time, the air outside is better than the air inside. So we really would like to provide capacity for ventilation. And frankly, every project that a contractor on this call is listening to should include the provision for ventilation. Some of that's going to be really easy. If you're doing a bathroom, put in a good, quiet, efficient bathroom fan, something that's low sewn, something that can run more or less continuously. There's some great new fans out there in the aisles of the big box store, the aisles of uh, or any wholesaler can get you. One good, quiet bathroom fan in a bathroom is, is a huge uh, difference, and then in, instruct people on how to run it uh, more often. And then second uh, second choice would be something like a fresh air intake into the main air handler return so that you have the ability to distribute fresh air throughout the house, a small duct, five, six-inch diameter. We actually know the amount of ventilation we need. It basically comes down to number of bedrooms in the house. Number of bedrooms determines number of people. So let's take, for example, a three-bedroom house. You might say that's likely to have four people living in the house. We know the amount of ventilation we need per person is roughly 15 cubic feet per minute. Mm -hmm. four, times four times 15 would be 60 CFM. Well, that yeah. sounds like a bathroom fan. So that's a really good way to do uh, ventilation. Now, somebody may say, well, hey, I'm throwing out that air. Isn't that a waste? Sure. There's great new solutions out there called heat or energy recovery ventilation technology. That's what I've been doing for 30 years, this is a simple box that has two fans in it. One, taking out stale, stinky air, 60 CFM. One, bringing in fresh, 
clean, healthy air, 60 CFM. As the two pass by each other, they recover the um, heat from the outgoing air and provide it back to the indoor air. And subsequently in, in summer, um, they pre-cool the incoming air. So these devices are, are really, really nice at deli- delivering consistent supply of fresh air without the wasted energy and providing an opportunity for filtration of that air as it comes in. So three strategies so far one, remove any pollutants, two, seal, and then three, every project you're working on should include ventilation. Gordon, you are, you make it, you make it so easy to follow. Uh, Awesome job. And look, we got a little bit more, but before we continue our conversation with Gord, here's a message from our sponsor. You know, they say Rome wasn't built in a day, but it would have been a hell of a lot faster with the help of hardworking people like yourselves and the capability and efficiency of Ram trucks. Because with over 10,000 pounds of towing power, over 1,800 pounds of payload, four-corner air suspension, and 29 miles per gallon, any job will get done in no time. Ram, America's longest-lasting pickup trucks. Now, with that, you gave us, you did an awesome synopsis. Remove pollutant sources, seal out pollutants, ventilate the space. What's number four, Gord? Number four should be no surprise, and it's the one that um, homeowners actually gravitate towards, and that is filtration, filtering the air. Now, sometimes people to put too much stock in filtration. You'll notice it's the last item on the list. It's not that it's not important. It's just that you, you, you do better by removing, sealing, and ventilating, but by all means, add filtration. And there's some great products out there now. There's actually a new rating for filters called MERV stands for uh, Multiple Efficiency Rating Values, and it gives a really nice, uh, clear definition of, of uh, or better indication, I guess, to homeowners and, and to contractors as to what's a good number. So everybody knows the standard old filter that came with uh, with the air handler, with the, with the furnace or the air conditioner, you know, those old horse air, the big fibers. Yep. They, they're a MERV 1 to 2. They, you know, they don't remove much. The top end of the scale is HEPA filtration, That you know, that really high end. It's a 20. So we have a 1 to 20 scale, uh, 1 being that very simple filter, HEPA being really extensive, removes 99% of all dust particles at sea. And that's a key point. The filters only remove dust particles they see. Most dust particles in your house are actually on the floor, in the carpet. So that's why the remove and seal is more important than the filtration. But picking a filter, pretty much any good furnace today, any reasonably new furnace or air handler today, can easily take an 8, 10, maybe even 12 MERV filter. Don't be afraid of adding a better filter. The new furnaces have better resistance capabilities they're able to drag air through those better filters so at the minimum eight eight a merv eight filter and as much as a merv 12 and this is easily definable that is it's measurable you can actually go and put one of these filters in a good mechanical contractor can put a filter in check the static pressure the resistance across the filter to make sure it's not going to interrupt the flow of the furnace we often hear that oh those filters they're too restrictive we can measure that. So don't be afraid to put one in and then measure to make sure that it's working correctly. And that, of course, is removing the fine dust from the air um, that any that is, is in the air. It's the fourth of the strategies, but it's so darn inexpensive. Every project you do should include provisions for upgraded filtration. Absolutely. That's great information for all of our contractors out there listening. It just... That just builds trust with your customers, too. I just can't say enough about that. 
Um, hey, Gord, once once you've done all this work to improve the home's indo- indoor air quality, how do you ensure that your clients keep it clean? That's a good one, as you can imagine. We do our best uh, to, to, to improve air quality, and then we have to help homeowners with decisions. We often call it the IEQ plan. We'll, we'll write a plan for clients and say, here's the things we're going to work on. Here's things that you need to keep in mind. I, I think in today's world, everybody would agree, never allow smoking indoors. Okay, that, that seems like an obvious one. But frankly, I was just working with a client the other day, a senior citizen, a, a wonderful little old gentleman, and you know, he's, he's literally 93 years old, and, mm. and, and the poor guy, he's not going to go outside to smoke, and he smoked all his life. But the family that was living in, um, in the suite with him, it was a, a boarding room, uh, a, a rooming house, and, boy, you know, they felt bad for the fellow. So you can imagine what we did was we employed two of the strategies from above. We sealed off his room, and we provided an exhaust fan in his room to make sure all the smoke's going to the outside. So a seal or an isolate strategy along with ventilation. But in general, never allow smoking outdoors. But you can get creative with that. Second, it turns out there's really a couple, let's say three things that homeowners can do. When you think about where most of the pollutants come from, one, we have a lot of pollutants from cooking. Specifically, if you have a gas range, um, and everybody's a gourmet chef these days, they want that gas range. There's a lot of stuff that can come off that gas gas range. So every kitchen should have a vented range hood. You're doing a kitchen remodel, find a way to vent the range hood to outside. doesn't have to be overly large, vent the range hood. Two, clean floors. So one is get rid of the pollutants from the kitchen. Two is make sure you have clean floors. Now that's obviously uh, enhanced or empowered with hard surface flooring. It's easier to keep hard surface flooring clean than it is to keep carpets clean. Uh, The carpeting, uh, I'll give you a little example. The indoor air quality program we used to run, the, the protocol we used for carpets for cleaning was you had to vacuum every 10 square feet, like a yard, a cubic yard, you had to vacuum a carpet one minute for every cubic yard of Yikes. carpet once a week. Can you imagine? So I think my words, wife makes difficult. that standard. <laughs> That's how difficult it is to keep carpets clean. So a better choice, of course, is to choose hard surface flooring, but clean them once a week. We use a little example of this. We actually show people underneath the, the fridge, the dustpan, under the uh, filter, the, mm-hmm. you know, the little air intake, yeah. how often that's dirty. We actually say to people, clean that once a month. Pull your fridge out, or at least that filter rack, uh, the, the vent, and clean under there. So what we try to do is give them a little list of things that they can do. Then, of course, from the chemical side, we encourage them to limit the use of chemical cleaners. We remind them that it's not about killing stuff. We don't need to kill germs. We simply need to wash them away. So soap and water is the best cleaning. Unscented products uh, are better because any chemicals that are presented, you know, we often hear about lemony fresh. Well, well, I got to tell you, there ain't no lemons in that lemony fresh stuff. It's it's a chemical known as lemonine, and you, you, you really don't want that in your house. So you try to limit the use of scented products. Here's one that's always a little tough. What about the pets? What about the pets and the plants? Each of those comes with their own, you know, little fauna and flora, the bugs, the, um, you know, bacteria, skin flakes, and so on, and the dander. So I know you're not going to get rid of the pets, but what we would say is keep them out of sleeping areas. So there's that isolate strategy again, that we'd be better off if 
we we slapped the outside of those. I, I think they learned during the bubonic plague, right, that it was better to keep the pickings, the chickens, and the pigs, the horses in a separate building. Yeah. Now we've gone back to you know, the whole menagerie sleeping with us, and we've gone there. Nah, probably better that they sleep in another area. And here's so one was vent those kitchen range. Two was uh, clean your floors. Three was limit the use of, of chemicals and compounds. And, and here's fourth, and one that all of us need to remind ourselves. Right back at the top of the show, we talked about moisture and managing moisture. We need to help clients manage indoor humidity. That's done by removing moisture from bathrooms and kitchens. That's bathroom and kitchen fans we already talked about. But just an awareness of indoor humidity levels. I, I actually feel like we should be leaving clients with a little hygrometer, something that measures humidity, a digital. They're only 25, 30 bucks. And just help them understand. We often get asked, what is the right moisture level? Clients often ask them this. And we here's what we know for sure. You want to be under 60% relative humidity year-round. Over 60% really, really adds to the possibility, the, the opportunity for, for mold to grow. So you want to be under 60. You typically want to be above 30 uh, because that often people will complain about dry nose and static electricity. So we're talking about the 30 to 60. Let's narrow up the range a little further, though. Uh, the, the ideal range throughout the year would be 40 to 50. Okay. In the wintertime, if for those who are in really cold climates, they will know that over 40, eh, I got a moisture problem on my windows. So the, the long and short of it is this, 40 to 50, as long as it's not causing moisture on windows. If it's causing moisture on windows in the wintertime, down a little bit lower, and then control it between 40 and 50. So there's four really good things that we could help homeowners with. Vent that range, clean your floors, use less chemicals, manage moisture between 40 and 50. Wow. Gordon, this is really good. I feel like I could walk away from this conversation, sit down with a client, and actually have an intelligent conversation on this. Um, one of the things we like to do, though, as we wrap up uh, uh, one of our procasts, is is get our guests to just say, hey, give us, dial this down into three or four key things. And I think you pretty much hit on that, but let's wrap it up with, with what you think are those um, the the uh, the strategies uh, uh, for 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 good air quality. Um, and thanks for that opportunity. First and foremost, I want to remind every contractor can improve air quality on every remodel project you do. And that starts with coming with an open mind and an open nose to be able to say to clients, and here is the hint, and we joked about it earlier, I don't want you going in and saying your house smells. <laughs> what, what I do want, what I do want you to do is to walk into each room of the house and say, tell me about this house. Who sleeps here? Um, who's, what are you doing in this space? Oh, have you ever noticed uh, chemical odors? Have you ever been concerned about mold and moisture? When you do walk into a basement, say to a client, hmm, I'm noting a little musty smell. Do you, do you guys ever notice that? You know, and you'd explain to them that your nose is new to the building um, and that you smell things that they don't necessarily smell. And I found this to be really helpful. So as you scope out your projects, when you think about doing that bathroom or that kitchen, you're always putting an eye towards what could I do to improve air quality? You're looking for things you could remove. Remember that? First one was, what can I get rid of? That old carpet's got to go. Um, that tub, you got to pull that. The valance box, or the uh, what do you guys call it, the box above the kitchen. Different markets call it different things, a valance box or a drops box. Uh, yeah, soffit box above the kitchen cabinet. 
you don't know what's going on up in there, especially if it's on an outside wall. Tear that down. I was just in a in my neighbor's house actually. There was boy, there was twenty years of mice activity and bugs nice. and bees nests up in that up in that uh, balance box where they were glad that they added that to the scope of work. So I always be looking for things. That basement's another great example. On my when I'm doing indoor air quality, I spend the first five, six minutes outside assessing grading and drainage, making sure water's working away from the building. So that's one is removed. Second strategy is that seal. By all means, looking between the house and the garage, I wonder how that's doing. Rooms over garages become an interesting one. Should I take down the garage ceiling and make sure it's air sealed? So that isolation strategy. Absolutely ask clients, anybody in the household with asthma, allergies, respiratory problems, let's key in on their bedroom for that isolation strategy. Third, remember this, every project requires ventilation. As little as 60 CFM for a three-bedroom house, making provisions for that ventilation. And, and then lastly, we talked about filtration. Every project should include uh, provisions for a MERV 8 to MERV 12 filter. Notice what's not on the list. Things like ionizers and ozonators and ionizers and sprays and chemicals. Don't be adding a lot of chemicals to the job. In fact, the products you choose when you're on the out in the out in the aisles and talking to your suppliers, choose products that don't smell. Low VOC paints, low VOC sealants, adhesives, so on. There's some great manufacturers out there. OSI Henkel, for example, mm-hmm. they're moving towards all all low VOC VOC stuff. So there's the four elements: remove, seal, ventilate, filter. Don't add any new chemicals. Awesome. Gord, thank you so much for your time and for the great information and expertise today. And folks, if you'd like more information or better, or more in-depth information about indoor air quality from Gord and from his partners, including some very, very cool narrated and animated uh, illustrated videos, you can go to constructioninstruction.com. That's constructioninstruction.com. All right, now we're going to take a look into John and Dave's spare parts box. That's where we dive in every week, just grab something we think is kind of cool, whether it's an insight or a cool tool or a gizmo. David, what do we got in there this week? Hey, John, I came across an article uh, a couple of weeks ago in the, the JLC, the, the Journal of Light Construction. Uh, it's a great, great uh, publication. If you're in the construction field in any trade, I'd suggest that you uh, uh, get this. You can get the online version um, very cool. But the article that caught my attention was uh, the OSHA fines have increased as of August 1st. Um, probably a little something that our contractors or smaller contractors don't pay a lot of attention to, but you should. Uh, simple things like um, accords, making sure they have grounds on them, that they're not cut. You're not allowed to tape a cord. You're not allowed to use an extension cord without a ground. On the off chance that an OSHA inspector came by and they found that, you can get fined, uh, and it's pretty substantial now. Um, This uh, government organization or or entity is self-funded for the most part. I'm sure they still get a little bit of money from the uh, taxpayers, but a lot of their funding comes from these fines. Um, But a willful or repeated violation, for instance, uh, the old penalty was $5,000 to $70,000. Now it's $8,900 8900 to $124,000, not, not pocket change, let me tell you. Um, a lot of times this stuff is reserved for larger corporations, and they go where the pockets are a little deeper, but don't think for a minute that they can't come on your job site and put this on you. So I would suggest uh, not only downloading or getting the uh, JLC monthly uh, uh, magazine, get that sent to you, but also... 
go to OSHA's website and, and go through that and read a little bit about some of the things that uh, uh, could be on their radar. You know, harnesses on a roof, make sure your guys are tied off if they're on a scaffolding. All of that stuff counts. Make sure there's guardrails in place. Uh, do those things if you're on projects that are out in the wide open. Uh, keep your guys safe, and it might keep your money safe and in your pocket a little longer. Good deal. Good deal. So, look, if you like what you heard today on this uh, podcast, ProCast, uh, like us on iTunes. And then tell a friend about the ProCast on, uh, on iTunes and on ProConstruction.com. You can go straight to ProConstruction.com. Good stuff. Hey, if you haven't gotten your copy of the latest Pro Construction Guide magazine, visit the Home Depot closest to you. They'll have copies at the Pro Desk. Or go to ProConstructionGuide.com to read the digital issue. If you've got any feedback for us, give us a call at 866-647-2346. Leave a message. We really do want to hear your thoughts. We'll see you on our next episode of the Pro Construction Guide magazine's ProCast Podcasts. We're hoping that you're going to make us a valuable tool in your toolbox. Toolbox.